Good morning and happy Sabbath. Weren't you blessed with that special offertory? There's no better sound, one said, than to listen to the voice of children praising the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, as we spend this few minutes meditating on your word, may your spirit guide us. May you talk to our hearts. And when we leave this place, may we have the assurance that it was you who spoke to each and every one of us through Scripture. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Amen. Now, as, as I was listening to the choir sing, I started thinking of our transition here to this area for my family about a year ago and how wonderful it felt when my little ones came home to share that they were chosen to be a part of that wonderful choir. Though this year they chose to do something else, another activity of the many that our wonderful school has to offer to develop our children, it was a great joy because as a little toddler and even as I grew older, I had a different experience with being chosen. In fact, growing up in New York City, I tell you that there's one thing every child dreams of when they are growing up, and that's to be a part of a baseball team. Everyone talks about playing ball. And I remember as if it were yesterday when I was old enough to try out for the school team. Now, the night before, I had chosen my shorts, my jersey, my baseball cap, and my cleats, and I was very excited because I knew that the following day, it was going to be that day where several students were going to be chosen to be a part of the team. So the entire day went by, and it was one of the longest days ever because I just wanted to get to the very end of the day because it was in the afternoon after class that they were going to choose the kids. So there they were, the two captains, these are the students that had played in the past, students that uh, had the experience, students that knew the game, that knew the plays. Everything was just perfect. The weather was wonderful. All of my classmates were all excited. And so quickly we lined up, and the captains, they started choosing. Okay, I want you and my team, and I want you and my team, and you. And before you know it, the lines started getting shorter and shorter and shorter, and eventually came down to the last two. Now, I wish I can tell you that I was chosen on the first pick, but the truth of the matter is that I was actually one of the last two. And at that particular moment in time, there was no mercy in my heart. My prayer went something like this, Lord, please let it be me. Now, I wish I can tell you also that I was that kid that was chosen, but unfortunately that was not the case. It was another child. But the good news was that it was not a one-day event, but it was three days in a row where the captains were going to evaluate the kids, we're going to see them play, so I figured tomorrow I have another chance. So again, at the end of the day, we all lined up. The captains now were very careful how they were choosing because they've already seen them play. So they said, I definitely need you on my team, and, and I need you on my team. And then they were very specific. Came down to the last two once again. My heart was about to come out because I was so excited, looking forward. I didn't get a chance the day before, so I figured, this is it. But unfortunately, I was not chosen. 
So I said, okay, one more day to go. So let's fast forward, day number three. There we were, lining up. I was very nervous. It was the last day, the last chance I had. And as they were choosing, came down to the last two. And as much as I wish I could tell you that I was chosen, I wasn't. So you can imagine this little child walking back home. It was the longest walk ever that I can remember from school. I was actually crying the entire trip as I was going home because the dream of playing in a baseball team was taken away. Now, things didn't go that bad because, you know, in New York City back in the early 70s and uh, 80s, there was a game. It's called handball. It's a little blue ball. It's smaller than a racquetball. And the good thing about this game is you can play on your own. You don't need anyone to play with you. In fact, you can be a one-man team. All you need is a, is a wall and a little blue ball, and you play. And as I remember, even though I started playing by myself, eventually other kids would start gravitating to the wall. Now, these are the kids that were not chosen in any other teams. These were the kids that were like me, short, very, very thin, or those that perhaps were blessed with a little bit more weight, or those that were really, really, really tall and not very uh, well-coordinated. And so all these kids were there, and in fact, they would call these kids the losers. So we would make teams of the kids that were rejected. But then I grew older. My parents moved from New York City to San Francisco, California. When I got there as a teenager, I figured no one knows me here. They don't know that horrible story of not being chosen as a child. So as a teenager, I figured I'd try once again. And what is the game to be played in California? Now, in California, I tell you, at least in San Francisco back in the days, uh, it, it was football. Every child dreamed to play football. So I figured I'd, I'll try this. They don't know me. I don't know them. This would be a perfect opportunity to start from scratch. So you go ahead and pick up your uniform, and you go to the field. They're, they don't have captains choosing, but what they do have is a coach who's paying attention as all the students are playing. Now, the one thing I was very good at was running. So when they started playing, I just happened to be at the right place at the right time when the ball was handed to me, but I would always drop it. So it doesn't matter the pass and how far it was. I was always there, but I would always drop the ball. And it was not long before they started screaming, get out of the field, you butterfingers. Now I left the field, obviously. The game was over. Everyone got a chance to try out. And a few days later, all the students went to the hallway to start looking at their last name. So there they were, Rasmussen, Rogers, and I was going to all the R's, but there was no Ramirez there. So imagine how I felt. It was like reliving all over again the horrible experience as a little boy. Let's fast forward to college now. I figure now I'm a young adult. I've gained a little weight. I'm a little taller. I figure basketball would be the game to play. So there I was. The school announced that there was going to be a basketball team tryouts. And so I got so excited that I went to one of my closest friends and I said, hey, would you please give me some pointers so that when I go to the tryouts, I will have a chance. 
Now, I've had horrible experiences in the past, so I figured I'd, I needed some coaching. So my friend agreed, we met at the court, and now there he was, giving me every single pointer that a good friend would give to someone that lacks the knowledge. After playing for about an hour, we sat down, and he said, Eldon, you know I love you, right? And I said, yes. And I thought this was going to be a very motivating speech, because tryouts was the following day. But he went on to say, because I love you, I hope you understand that what I'm about to tell you is because I want what's very best for you. And I don't think you should even try out tomorrow. <laughs> it's not going to go well. So you can imagine now in college, once again, being rejected. Well, at that time, I guess I chose not to go to the tryouts. And later, I found out that there are two types of individuals those that love sports, and those that could care less for sports. In fact, if I were to, to do a census, just raise your hand if you love sports. Let me see your hands. Those of you who love sports, all right. Now, those of you who could care less for sports, let me see your hands. All right, see? There it is. You have both. Now, there was a survey done among young adults, and this is what it says. The reason why some young adults like uh, sports or those that love sports, this is what they answer. Because I am good at it, because I excel, because I shine, because I am it. But the reason that they chose, the number one reason they chose to elect, to describe the reason why they love sports is because they belong. There's no better feeling than to belong to someone. For those of you who are married, you can perhaps remember the time when you special partner at the altar said, I do. And for that moment on, you realize that you now belong to one another. It's an amazing feeling. There's no greater feeling than to belong to a family that loves you, to belong to an employer that, that appreciates you. I don't know if you, you, you've been in a place where you're not appreciated, an employer that wishes you can just leave. But what a joy when you are part of a, of an, of a system, of, of, of an employer that would tell you, we are so glad that you are here and you're a part of our team. To belong to a team is one of the greatest feelings. Now, what's the opposite of belonging? What would that be? Outcast, rejected, and on. CNN reported that Dr. Gregory Walton, a social psychologist at a Stanford University, he developed what he called the Belonging Intervention Program. Now, the goal is to convey to the students that when bad things happen, it doesn't mean that they don't belong. In fact, I quote, because as, as humans, we need to belong to one another, to our friends and family, to our culture, to our country, to our world because it is primal, it is fundamental to our sense of happiness and well-being. We need to belong. But when I looked at our human nature, we never choose that which is no good. Looking back, I realized that perhaps it was the best thing that I wasn't chosen. See, one thing I left out about the story is that not only was I very thin, but I was extremely thin. I was very skinny to the point that my knees were thicker than my legs. Have you ever seen those kids 
that their knees are bigger than the rest of them. That was me as a little boy. And I was so thin that my shorts looked like a bell as they were moving back and forth. So if I were a captain, I don't think I would have chosen the land. I, I, I wouldn't have chosen me. Now, as I fast forward in high school, I'm glad the coach didn't chose me, I tell you. Some of these linebackers were over 230 pounds in high school. I would have been smoked in no time. I would have been hurt beyond measure. And how about basketball? I, I would have been hurt or hurt someone because I'm not very coordinated when it comes to sports. So when we choose, in fact, I guarantee that when a choir director is choosing for the voices that will be a part of that special choir, if you are not able to sustain a key, the odds of you being chosen are pretty slim. And it applies to anything that we do. If you are a mechanic and you need to find someone to take over your spot because your shop has the greatest reputation and you can't afford for things to go wrong, you will go and try to choose the very best mechanic that you know so it will take your place. It's the same thing happens in everything that we do. But when I read scripture, it is interesting that God has a different equation. God has a different approach in choosing his people, choosing who is going to be a part of his family, choosing who is going to be a part of his team. We read it, and I invite you to read it again with me, please, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 through 9. This is what the word of God says. For you are a holy people, the Lord your God, the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the people on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love, nor did he choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all people. Let's pause there for a second. The Bible tells me the Lord did not choose his people because we were the greatest. He says we were the what? The least. Now, as I look at choosing once again, no one chooses the least, the smallest, the weak. Yet in Scripture, as I read, Bible says that he chose God's people even though they were the least. But he gives us the reason in verse 8. But because the Lord loves you. And because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeem you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And verse number nine. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. It's interesting that Moses, the prophet, wrote such words, yet a fisherman named Peter later writes similar words, now in the New Testament, trying to get the same message across about God's way of choosing and the reason why he chooses you and me. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 through 10, and it says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Before you were not a people. Think about it for a moment. Have you ever felt that you were a nobody? When I think of Scripture and the way God processes his selection process, as he goes through the selection process, I'm puzzled because even when we do the simple things of life, the daily actions of life, think about it. I don't know if you enjoy salsa, but I enjoy salsa and chips. Salsa in good Italian recipes is amazing. Salsa and good Mexican food, it's outstanding. I mean, let's face it, tomato sauce is good in just about anything. Even in your hot dogs, it's good. And there's different recipes of making tomato sauce, right? But I remember seeing my grandmother going through the aisle trying to choose the tomatoes for the, her special sauce. It was not just any tomato. There's so many tomatoes to choose from. But as she went through the aisle, she will pick up the tomato. She will examine the tomato. She'll smell the tomato. She'll feel it, determines the weight. And by doing so, she will know if the tomato is just right to make that special sauce. And in fact, I'll take it a little further. What would happen if someone drops a tomato? Have you seen it in the marketplace? They'll just put it back and start choosing someone else because that tomato has already been dropped. It's damaged. It's no good. So even as we choose a simple tomato to do a sauce, we try to get the very best. But the Lord says, don't think that I've chosen you because you're good or that I've chosen you because you're more in number. You were the least. He reminds us people because oftentimes as Christians we tend to forget that it's because of his mercy and because of his grace that we are chosen to be a part of his family. For we all have fallen short, says the Lord. How about a theologian? The Apostle Paul when he writes Galatians chapter 1 verse 15 it says, but when he pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. It is because of his grace, Paul says, that we have been called. But perhaps the most powerful passage for me in relates to God's choosing is in Psalms 139. Or if you have your Bible with you, Psalm 139, verses 13 through 18. And look what the king says now. This is King David. For you created my most being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that very well. My frames, listen to this, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depth of the earth. For your eyes saw my unformed body. David says, you saw me before my body was even formed. You've already saw me. You already knew about me. 
And not only did he see, look at this, not only did he see his unformed body, but look what it says. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. All the days of my life were written before one of them came to be. A lot of theologians, even to this day, are so complex to this Bible passage. Because David says, listen, Lord, all my days were written. You already knew. Not only did you see me before I was formed, but all my, you knew every single one of my days before one of them lived. Before I even lived one of my days, you already knew. So the question is, does that also include when he looked at somebody else's wife? Does it? Does it include when he worked and planned in such a way that he's able to keep his neighbor's wife? Does it also include the fact that he planned to murder his neighbor so he can keep his wife? And as you keep going on and on and on, David realized that God chose him even though he knew he was going to be defective. Now, that blows my mind away, and it is hard to comprehend because we are not that way. We don't choose that which is going to fail. I remember when I purchased my first vehicle. I was a young pastor in the Midwest, Kansas City to be exact. I was saving to get married. I was saving for my first car. I needed the car to go out and give Bible studies, so I went ahead and Decided to put some money aside, and eventually I was able to raise $1,700. Now, with $1,700, what can you get? But there was a, a gracious church member who said, Pastor, I have a dealer's license. Why don't we go, and then I'll purchase the car, and then I'll just sell it to you at cost. And I said, that sounds like a good idea. And he says, in fact, sometimes you get very good vehicles out there, so let's go. I said, all right. So we got there. When we got to this auction... He was busy choosing his car, so he says, go and choose the car that you like. So I was looking at all these beautiful cars, but every single car that I looked, there were other dealers that would say, yeah, that's about 5000 that's about 7000 so I figured, I don't have a chance. But when it was the time to start looking at the vehicles, the vehicles would go right before you, and there he was, the gentleman that has the gift of speaking fast and not sure exactly what it says, but blah, 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 and they're going back and forth, and there he is, and before you go, and so all the cars that I liked were extremely good looking, but I didn't have what it takes. I didn't have enough money. So the, there was a nice one right there. It starts at 7,000, starts at 5,000, starts at 4,000, and the cars that I was, I was able to uh, consider, they didn't have any windows or a bumper was off or the color was just gone or, the hood was gone, and they were crashed. Some of them were dragged with the tractor. And, and so these are the only cars. And eventually there was one beautiful sky blue Honda Civic. I'm sorry, it's a Honda Prelude. I remember now. It's a 1987 Honda Prelude. And as the Honda pulled forward, I looked at the car. It had a, a moonroof, beautiful alloy wheels and beautiful tires. And, and I looked at the car. It looked good. I went around it. And they started at about $700. And I figured, this is great. Now, it should have been a warning sign for me when there was only another fellow and I bid him for this car. No one else was giving any money or asking for anything. But there we were. So we went from $750 going to $800. And there we were back and forth. and went to $1,000 and $1,300 and $1,400. It kept going up. Now, mind you that I only had $1,700, right? By the time we got to the... 
1650. I went ahead and gave the last $50 I have. I want that car. I have chosen that car. That, that's going to be my first car ever. And this other fellow went ahead and gave 1725. It was, felt so sad. But see, the senior pastor was with me. And praise the Lord for those of us who had the opportunity to serve with the senior pastor. Give us a little bit of pointers and so forth. He says, listen, I'll let you borrow $50. You'll need some for the titling and so forth. I said, oh, great. So I went ahead and said, $1,750. So he said, $1,750 going once, $1,750 going twice. All right, sold to the skinny man over there. All right. So I got the car. I got the paper, actually. And so I had my paper, and I was making live to all these guys. And someone says, so what did you get? And I told him. He says, oh, okay. Well, I hope you starts when you get it. It never dawned on me. I didn't even get a chance to look at this vehicle. So now, as I picked up the keys, when I turned it on, I was so happy it turned on. But in less than five miles, that car was giving me problems. Started coughing. And then, so it was so bad, I had to pull over and turn off the engine. And there I was. And the first thing that I said to me was, if I had known this vehicle was going to be defective, I would have never what? I would have never chosen this vehicle. David, King David, finally understood that God knew his weaknesses. He said, you saw my informed body. All the days of my life were written in your book. That is your failures and my failures. Your mistakes and my mistakes. And God still says, Eldon, even though you are or have made mistakes or you will make mistakes, I still want you to be a part of my family simply because I love you. You know, God has an interesting sense of humor. I marry a woman who loves sports. So she would always gravitate with all the students that were really good at sports. In fact, if a, a, a game is invented, a new sport, I can almost guarantee it, she will know how to play it right away. Every single sport. So our kids were born with the ability to enjoy sports. Both of them, they like sports. And so when they were younger and, and I would get home from a trip, they would always be waiting at the house with a ball. It would either be a football, a soccer ball, or a basketball. In fact, my youngest daughter used to be a part of a little kid's league. It was a chaos. The little chaos. And so she would always want it, daddy to play with her soccer. My oldest daughter was very good at flag football. It's a big thing in California. And so she would always want to play flag football. But because I, I didn't have very good memories of sports at all, I would always say, let's go do something. Let's just go to the park. Let's just, let me read your book. Let, no, 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 they wanted to play. So I had to give in, and eventually I said, okay, honey, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll go out and play. And the one that I was not rejected, I chose not to go, it was basketball. So I figured this is neutral. No, no hard feelings, no bad memories other than I didn't go to the trials, right? So we went out, and my wife got this uh, basketball hoop that we can go and play outside. So we would play Every time I would get home from a long trip, they were, there they were, and we were playing basketball, and it became fun to me. Not so much because of the sport itself, but because I was spending time with my kids playing. 
But see, something happened. I don't know when the transition happened, when now I started to think and believe that I was good. You know when you feel you look good or you feel that you're, you're doing, I mean, those of you who play sports, that is. You know, you, you're there, you're playing, and you just know it. Well, I, I, I thought I, I looked good doing the moves and so forth. And my kids never said anything. They would always, yeah, daddy, this is great, and we just have fun. But everything changed, changed when one day I was traveling back home, and my kids were waiting for me with a basketball. So I picked up the phone. My daughter picked up, and I said, honey, I just want you to know, Daddy just landed at San Francisco Airport. We should be there in about three hours. And she's like, yeah, Daddy. And I can hear my youngest daughter. That was just excited. And I said, Daddy, guess what? I said, what? We can't wait for you to get here so we can play some basketball. I said, I know me too. This is amazing. That's the only thing I've been thinking the entire trip. And she said, yeah, but it gets even better. And I said, what's that? We're going to play with another family. And I said, I feel horrible, you guys. And I said, hold on, hold on, Who, who's at the house? They're like, no, no, no one. We are going to somebody else's house. It was another pastor in the area who had five kids, and all of them extremely good ball players. And I said, honey, no. Actually, that's not a very good idea. In fact, basketball is only for the house, only at the house. You don't play basketball anywhere else. And she says, no, daddy, we have to. This is so much fun, and it's great. And I said, no, that's not going to work, honey. And so after I hanged up, I was driving. It was a tormenting three hours, you guys. The entire trip, I was thinking of what would I tell my kids, how I was going to get out of this one. And so I picked up the phone, and I was dialing, and I said, no, I can't do this. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I even thought of saying, you know, I don't feel well. Just This is not good. Not that I was lying. I actually didn't feel good. <laughs> this is not a good thing. I said, I'm not going to do this thing. But when I was getting home, the phone rings, picked up. She says, Daddy, don't bother coming home. We are already at the pastor's house. We'll meet you there. So now I'm driving, and it just feels horrible. When I got there, there they were, kids ready to play. I can hear the basketball. And my kids, yeah, Daddy's here. Now we got the team completed. And I'm, I'm just feeling horrible. This is just a horrible. My, I'm, I'm a pastor now, grown-up man. But now it's like reliving all over again those childhood frustrations, right? And so I tell my daughter, I said, listen, why don't you just go get your mom? I mean, she's good, especially it's family against family. You want to show them, you know, that Ramirez family know what they're doing. And then my daughter says, no, 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 she's cooking. She's with the pastor's wife. They're getting things ready. We're going to play, you know. Their dad and our dad and their, kid, their kids and, our, and, and my sister. And I said, well, no, no, no. You know, this is not going to work. Why don't you just go ahead and play on your own? And then the pastor said, all right, guys, let's make a line. We're going to go ahead and choose. And this is just horrible because now the pastor was one of the captains and my oldest daughter was the other captain. So there they were, both of them, and I am there with a bunch of kids they're making us, make, you know, just making us wait. And so, as I'm living this horrible moment, for the first time, I thought about it. Actually, this is my, might not be a good, and I might, might not be a bad thing. For the first time, I didn't want to be chosen. I said, I hope my daughter doesn't choose me. She has the opportunity to choose someone else. 
If she doesn't choose me, then I will make her look bad. And so my daughter says, let's flip a coin. And the pastor says, oh, no, 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 ladies first. So there she was. She didn't look anywhere but me. And as she's looking, she makes that look. And she's ready to, to, to choose her father, right? And, and so I do the father thing. I said, nope. And she looks and she's like, come on, man. And I said, nope. And then she's like, Daddy, I want you. And so it just felt horrible, felt horrible. So there I was, I got stand next to her, stood next to her, and I said, you don't, you don't know what you're doing. She's like, come on, Daddy, be all right. It's just for fun. And so the passage obviously chose his older son, and then my, da my, 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 my um, daughter chose the other son, and eventually we had two teams. And then we were, we're huddling, and they're giving instructions. My daughter says, this is what we're going to do. And it actually turned out to be okay because we were winning. It was just an amazing experience. Everything was going great until my daughter starts passing the ball. Every time she passed the ball, she would scream, shoot, daddy, shoot. And there I was, and, and I get all nervous, and, they, and, I, and I would shoot, and then I would always miss every single time. So the other team started catching up. And before you know it, they won that game. So the pastor says, okay, it's okay. Best of the three, let's do another game. I said, no, you don't have to play a game. And this is right. You guys are champions. Don't worry about it. He's like, no, 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 let's do this again. And then my kid says, yes, daddy, come on, let's do this. So once again, started playing. Everything was going great until they start passing the ball. Every single time. And all I can think of was Butterfingers, right, in high school. It's horrible. Every single time. Miss every single shot. So they cut up, and eventually they won. So then I try to, you know, have a happy face. I said, all right, guys, you guys, you guys won. You guys are the champions. And he says, no, no, let's play another game. I said, no, you got to be kidding me. You said best out of three. You already won two. There's no need to play again. And my daughter says, no, daddy, come on. Just for fun, let's do another game. By this, my heart was broken. I was emotionally and physically exhausted. And I wish I could tell you we won the third game, but we lost. So at the end of the day, we're driving home, and I'm quiet. I'm not saying anything because I'm feeling horrible. I'm feeling horrible because I let my daughter down. I don't know how many parents can relate to that, but whenever you've done something, when you have let your kids down, or perhaps someone has let you down. So I felt that I have failed my daughter. I felt that I have ruined the whole day. And so I had only one question, and I asked. So I fixed the rearview mirror, and I'm looking as I'm driving. I said, honey, you know, I just help me understand. You know, we, we play at home all the time. She's like, yeah. And, um, and, you know, sometimes I have a hard time, you know, doing some good moves, right? Yeah. Well, if you knew that we probably had a chance that we weren't going to do very good, why did you choose me? And then she said the following. She says, what do you mean probably? I already knew we were going to lose. <laughs> and now I feel, now it went from sad to anger. <laughs> and then I said, what do you mean you already knew? She says, I already know, Daddy. You don't know how to play. And I said, then why did you choose me? And then she said the most powerful words I will never forget. Because I 
love you. He says, Daddy, you're gone quite a bit. And whenever you come home, it's the greatest joy for our family. So it's not about winning or losing. It's about having dad home to be playing with you. They play with their dad. We play with our dad. And then she says, anytime there is a team and I have the opportunity to choose, you will always be a part of my team, Daddy. Because I want you to be with me. I want you to play with me. I love you. And it was then the Bible passage in Deuteronomy clicked. The Lord says, I didn't choose you because you were the great in number. I simply chose you because I love you. As we go home this morning, may we never forget the fact that God's mercy and grace will never be understood even throughout eternity. His love can be comprehended. But one thing we can know for a fact, and that is that God is incomplete without you. And the good thing is that, not like my team, his team will always win towards the end of the story. We know the end from the beginning. We know that God, when he sent his son and he raised his hands in victory at Calvary, and he died on that cross. He died so that we may have assurance of salvation. So that his team would know that whoever joins him will win till the end. So for those of you who perhaps have forgotten the fact that you have been chosen because he loves you, may we leave this morning with the same words that Peter once said. And that we may live those words that we have been chosen to proclaim the wonders of him who called you and I out of darkness into his marvelous light. I praise God for this church and the wonderful things that we are doing as a, as a body of believers. But we are still needing people to step forward and shine the light of mercy, Jesus' grace, and be able to proclaim by witnessing what he has done for us so that others may also come and join our church. So if you have your connection cards, the first section would read, I understand that God has chosen me because he loves me and is incomplete without me. If you have been reminded and today you've understood the fact that it's simple, we don't have to understand it, we just have to accept it, I invite you to check that box right there. And the second box, it says, through the strength of Jesus, I commit to, proclaim the, to proclaiming the wonders of him who called me out of darkness into his wonderful light. I invite you to also check that box. May you and I be witness as we serve this week. May you shine his light. And above all things, may you remember that when God sees you and me, does not see the things that we have done or perhaps that we will do, but the, the fact that we will become men and women after God's own heart, like he said of David. And last passage as we lead today, it says as follows. When God talks of David, look what he says. Go tell Jeroboam, 
that this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I raised you up from among the people and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you. But you have not been like my servant David, who kept my commandments and followed me with all of his heart and only did what was right before my eyes. When God looks at David and talks about David, it's not mentioned the mistakes or the sins, but rather it says he only did what was right before my eyes. Because when God chooses you, he doesn't choose, chooses you to fail, but he chooses you to succeed. May, may God bless us as we try to live and share this wonderful truth. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your mercy and for your grace. Thank you that you haven't chosen us to fail, but you have chosen us to succeed. You have chosen us to have everlasting life. It is good to be reminded once in a while of your mercy and of your grace. May we leave this place today with the assurance of salvation, the joy of knowing that you love each and every one of us and that you have chosen us even though you already know our mistakes. And help us to be a witness to those that are yet to find and experience your love. May you bless us as we leave this place. In Jesus' name we pray.